presence of the Lord this morning. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Isn't God good? Isn't he good? Times might be tough. It's a little tough right now in situations. And, but God is good. God is faithful and his mercy endures forever. Great is his faithfulness. And when you feel that you're in the fiery trial, you feel surrounded Just look behind you because the psalmist said, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Amen. The goodness of God, the mercy of God is following you. The goodness and the mercy of God is following me. And we're going to make it. Amen. Amen. We're going to make it. We are going to make it. I want to preach this morning on this Pentecost Sunday. I don't know that I have ever preached about Pentecost on Pentecost Sunday. Can I just be honest with you and transparent with you? I don't think I ever have. Honestly, I've always thought, I'm not going to preach on something just because it's that day. But as we have gone through this sermon series, it just happened this way. It was just the way the Lord scheduled it to be. And Amy pointed out to me last week when I gave her my slide from Acts chapter 1, She said, you're probably going to be in Acts chapter 2 next week. I said, yes. She said, it's Pentecost Sunday. I said, well, how about that? (laughs) So here we are on Pentecost Sunday, and we're going to preach and talk about the day of Pentecost. I want to tell us this morning that Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the promise from the Father, did not originate, didn't just happen on the day of Pentecost. This was something that was planned. You can see throughout the entirety of the Old Testament foreshadowing of the coming of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God that was going to be poured out upon believers and into our hearts and into our lives. This was not something that just happened on the spur of the moment. This was a divine plan of God. If I could say it this way, a divine setup. I believe the enemy tries to set us up, but God throughout the Old Testament was setting up a time when he would send the Holy Spirit to be poured out upon all the believers and to live and to abide and dwell on the inside and manifest himself out of us that we might touch and impact those who are around us. Pentecost is God's plan. There's a lot of skepticism about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of confusion about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. There is a lot of resistance. But when we come to realize that this is God's plan, God's plan, all throughout the Old Testament, not only did we see foreshadowing, but we see prophecies about the great day of the Lord, which is talking about, yes, the second coming, but it's also talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit. You may recall several months ago now when we covered some of these things as we journeyed through the book of Joel, and we've seen how Joel prophesied these things would come in the last days. God would pour out his Spirit upon all flesh. This isn't anything new. This wasn't just cocked up in a back room somewhere. God has planned this. It's God's great setup. And so I ask us this morning, in light of knowing that this is God's plan, and this was God's great setup, God's great orchestration, if you will, I ask us then, Pentecost, what's next? What's next? Look at your neighbor and say, what's next? 
What's next? God has poured out the Holy Spirit. Hopefully you have experienced the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your life and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But then we need to ask ourselves, what is next? What now? Why has God poured out this beautiful person, the Holy Spirit, upon us? Let me tell you this morning that the Holy Spirit, He is a person. And He is not to be feared The moving and the outpouring and the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, the divine moving of the person, the third person of the Godhead in the Holy Spirit is not to be feared. Nothing for us to be afraid of. We respect him, but not fear. And he is not to be forgotten. You know, we talk about fearing the Holy Spirit, and I wrote down in my notes here, the word Pentecost means 50. So many people are afraid of Pentecost. It means 50. Are you afraid of the word 50? (laughs) But the festival of Pentecost was even symbolic of what God was getting ready to do in pouring out his Holy Spirit for us to equip us and to help us to reach the harvest that is around us. I thought about last week. Last week was Memorial Day. Memorial Day, when we remembered the sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice that many multitudes of men and women have given their lives so that we can experience liberty and freedom. I thought about a month from now, we'll be celebrating the 4th of July and the Declaration of Independence and Freedom. Those are historic events for us to commemorate, aren't they? But we don't just commemorate those events, do we? We don't just celebrate those events even. We participate in, watch me now, we participate in the freedom that we commemorate. We participate in the liberty that has been paid for, bought by veterans and those who have died on the battlefield for us. We live in that freedom. We participate in that. And just like that, I thought the day of Pentecost is not just a day for us to commemorate. It's not just a historic event in the church for us to look back and say, okay, that, what a beautiful thing that happened in the upper room in Acts chapter 2 when God poured out the Holy Spirit upon the 120 believers and then Peter went out and preached and 3,000 were saved. We could commemorate that and, and, and celebrate that, but more importantly, even than that, we should participate in that. Pentecost is not something just to commemorate. Pentecost is something to participate in and live in. And I today live in the power and the freedom and the liberty of the Holy Spirit. Do you live in the liberty and the freedom and the power of the Holy Spirit? I participate in this thing called Pentecost. I live in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and He and He alone is who keeps me going. The Holy Spirit outpouring. Not an historic event. Not something just to be celebrated and commemorated but something to live. He gives us power to live. To live out the gospel. And when we live out the gospel it becomes a witness to those around us. He gives us power to witness and to verbalize our faith and to spread the news of Jesus Christ all around the world. And he gives us power and anointing to bring good news and hope. Hear me on this point. We're going to end with this point in just a few moments as well. He gives us anointing and power 
to bring hope to future generations. The heartbeat of this church right here. I said it a few weeks ago. We have emphasized over the last three years since I've been here praying for our children and our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, the future generations But I firmly believe that God just didn't put that on my heart three years ago. That was a moving of God. There is a generational moving and work in this body of believers that has happened for decades. And the Lord just wants us to continue that and to expand that. And he wants to see this community and the generations of this community brought into him. And I believe as we're praying these things. We are praying the will of God. We are joining the work of God that has happened here for 80 years of what God wants to do and propel us in the power of the Spirit into the future. Amen? And the Holy Spirit will help us to bring hope to future generations. My, how they need to hear hope. My, how they need to hear and see the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, how I long for the future generations and our children, our grandchildren to see again the moving of the power of the Holy Spirit so that they would know he is the comforter. He is the guide. He is the person of God who can live and dwell inside of them. There is hope. There is purpose for their lives. There is a person, namely the Holy Spirit, who can abide and live and dwell in them. So what happened on the day of Pentecost? What happened that day? Let's, let's go backtrack for just a moment. and Let's look at Acts chapter 1. Excuse me, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4 this morning. As we look at what happened. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing and a mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. There appeared to them divided tongues or cloven tongues as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled, verse 4 said, they were all filled with what? The Holy Spirit. That's not their fault. I forgot to give verse 4 to the technology people. (laughs) They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. What happened? The person of the Holy Spirit came on that day to the church, both to dwell and to baptize. I'm glad that when I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit baptizes me into Christ. Watch this. The Holy Spirit baptizes me into Christ. And then in an act of obedience, I should be water baptized. So then the disciple takes me and water baptizes me and shows a picture of what Christ has done on the inside and the work of the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. And then beyond that, there is a a second work of baptism where Christ will baptize us in the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit draws us to Christ, baptizes us into Christ, then water baptism to be a witness. But beyond that, we can be endued with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And who is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit? Jesus Christ, mentioned in all four Gospels, Matthew 3, Luke 3, 
Mark 1 and John 1, where it says, John indeed baptized you with water unto repentance, but one comes after him that I'm not even worthy to touch his shoes. I can't even undo his shoes. He, being Christ, shall what? Baptize you in the Holy Ghost and fire. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit came, yes, to dwell in our hearts and our lives. And so when we are regenerated or born again, when we come to know Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into our life. He is in us. He is with us. He is helping us. But then even beyond that, Christ will say to us, hey, now you're in me. Now you're saved and the Holy Spirit is in you. But I have another work. I want to take you, me being Christ, I want to take you and I want to baptize you, immerse you in the Holy Spirit. We talked about it last week when water baptism is a great picture of this experience because when we come out of the water, we are totally wet. Right from the top of our head to the soles of our feet, we are wet, dripping wet. Every part of our body is impacted. And I believe that's what Christ wants to do in our lives. He wants to take us and immerse us fully into the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit will have every part of our lives and work in and through us. We need to see the sights and the sounds of Pentecost again. Do you believe that this morning? We need to see the sights and the sounds of Pentecost again. Can I preach to you and can I preach to myself as well? Can I even add in the church world a little bit as a whole right here? We have become so programmed if we aren't careful. We have become so driven by excellence that we have forgotten the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, don't get me wrong. We try very hard to be organized, and we should. Amen. God deserves our best. God deserves our best. He deserves our excellence. He, he deserves our organization. He deserves my studying and learning and education. And all of those things are priorities in my life. Excellence and education and organization. All of those things. Don't get me wrong. And you know that. I believe you know that about me as your pastor. I, I, I want us to do things well. And I want to study. And I want to be educated. And I want excellence. But I need you hear my heart this morning? I need the moving of the Holy Spirit. I need the moving of the Holy Spirit. I can study hour after hour after hour, but unless the Holy Spirit anoints and helps me. We can organize everything just right. And we can try to use technology and we can keep our facilities immaculately clean and we try to do all of those things but we need the moving of the Holy Spirit do you hear my heart this morning above and beyond anything naturally that I can do I need the working and the moving of the Holy Spirit take that and apply that to your life think about your family think about your job your workplace the Lord wants us to work with excellence he wants us to pour into our work and our vocations and into our families he wants us to do all we can to be great and and to do it right but we need the holy spirit to help us the holy spirit gives us that extra power 
that we cannot muster in ourselves. The Holy Spirit comes upon us when we think on a Saturday night, I'm preaching to myself, and you say, it's been a really hard week. It's been a really heartbreaking week. And you say, Lord, do I have anything that I can pour into the people today? But what I can tell you, I have found that when I got over here this morning and I got back into his word and into prayer, and we came in here and we started singing, blessed be the name of the Lord. And that reminded me the Holy Spirit, He is with me. He is helping me. He is giving me power and I can do what He has called me to do. And you can do what He has called you to do. You can walk into that workplace tomorrow with your head held high and say, I'm going to give it 100% but I know the Holy Spirit is going to give it 200% and He is working and helping me and working in and through my life. We need the moving of the Holy Spirit. Now more than ever, I've been listening to podcasts about Generation Z. You have the millennials and now Generation Z. And it's saying that millennials, but especially Generation Z, they are looking for something authentic. Do you hear me this morning? Something real. Something real. God, help us at the Nortonsville Church of God. When they walk through our doors, let them know that there is a moving of the presence of the Holy Spirit that is authentic and real and genuine. That working of the person of the Holy Spirit who will draw them to Jesus Christ and draw them to purpose and to power. We need the Holy Spirit. How do I respond then? How do I respond? Look with me at Acts chapter 2, 11 through 13. We'll see some responses on that day of Pentecost. And they mirror, really, the responses that we see in the world today. The Christians and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they're hearing what's happening on the day of Pentecost. Let's look at the next verse. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what could this mean? Some were amazed. Some were like, this is wonderful. This is great. This is awesome. Others were confused. What is going on here? Then you go on to the next verse, and others were mocking, saying that they are full of new wine. Aren't these the same responses that we see today to a moving of the Holy Spirit and an operation of the Holy Spirit? Some people will look at the moving of the Holy Spirit in a church service or in our lives and they will be astounded and they will think, wow, this is amazing. I want to see that in my life. Others will look and say, I'm perplexed. I, I don't understand this. This confuses me. And still others will say, I don't want anything about that. Those people are crazy. That's ridiculous. That, that, I, that's not dignified. I don't want that. Some, some will mock like they said they are full of new wine. But I ask us this morning, what are our responses to the Holy Spirit? I, I preach to us today and I say, each one of us that are listening this morning, why don't we make up our mind to say, I want to yield to the moving of the Holy Spirit in my life. I want the Holy Spirit to be, I want to be fully immersed 
in him. I want Jesus to baptize me in the Holy Spirit. You see, we'll have an appropriate response. All of these responses that they had that day, we as individuals will have an appropriate response when we realize that this is God's plan. This is God's will. And Jesus is the Holy Ghost baptizer. We have spent now several weeks leading up to this Sunday preaching about what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. Because I wanted us to hear what Jesus said. Jesus called him the guide, the comforter, the counselor, the spirit of truth, the promise of the Father. Jesus talked over and over about the Holy Spirit. And his last command to his disciples were go and tarry and wait in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high from the Holy Spirit. This is Christ's work. This is Christ's doing. And when we realize that Christ is the Holy Ghost baptizer, when we realize that it is Christ who pours out the Holy Spirit, we become more receptive to his working in our lives. Let's look at Acts 2, 32 through 39. 32 through 33. Acts 2, 32, 33. This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Now this is Peter. The Holy Spirit has been poured out in the upper room, and now this is some of Peter's sermon. I hope that you'll read the entirety of Acts chapters 1 and 2. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, Jesus is exalted to the right hand of God, having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he, Jesus, poured out this which you now see and hear. Any time that we are experiencing a divine move, an authentic, a real Holy Spirit move. I'm not talking about me moving and trying to get him to do something. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit moving. Anytime we experience a moving of the Holy Spirit, anytime we feel a stirring of the Holy Spirit in our personal lives, it is Jesus Christ who has been exalted to the right hand of the Father, who has received the promise from the Father and has decided to pour out the Spirit upon us. What you now see and hear this is Christ working. Christ is the Holy Ghost baptizer. Christ is the one who initiates the moving of the Holy Spirit in our churches and in our lives and in our families. And I believe he's legit. Amen? Amen. I believe if Christ is the one doing it, then it is legit. Legitimate. So what's next? I ask us this morning, what is next? What is next? We could come here every week. We could say we love the fact that the Holy Spirit was poured out on Pentecost. We could come here every week and we could love the fact that we have been born again and regenerated and the Holy Spirit abides in us. We could come here every week and celebrate the fact that maybe we've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and, and we're living a spirit-filled life, but I ask us, Pentecost, what next? The outpouring of the Holy Spirit, what is next? I have been revived, if I could say it this way. I have been revived by the Holy Spirit. What 
next. The Holy Spirit was not poured out upon us so that we could come here every Sunday morning and just bask in His. Oh, it's good. It's wonderful. I love to bask in His presence. I love the Holy Spirit presence that we have felt already. Amen? I love that. And we need that. And He blesses us. He comforts us. He helps us. But there's more than us just coming and enjoying the blessings of God. There's more than us just coming and enjoying the presence of the Holy Spirit. There's even more than us just enjoying his presence in our day-to-day life. What is next? He has given us power that we can be witnesses to those around us. And when the Holy Spirit was poured out, Peter went out and preached. 3,000 were saved. The whole known world ended up being impacted and turned upside down because the power of the Holy Spirit was poured out. And I propose to us this morning that as a Pentecostal church, as a church that not only commemorates Pentecost Sunday, but participates in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, I propose to us this morning, it's more than us just enjoying his presence. We need to allow him to mobilize us and to use us in the harvest field. Use us in our families. Use us at our workplace. Use us in this community. There are people scattered all throughout this community. Do you know this morning there are enough people 20 minutes in every direction from this church right now that we could fill this building at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock and still would not have room for all of the unchurched and unsaved people within 20 minutes of this church. You, do you believe that? But I also believe the Holy Spirit can put his hand upon us and empower us to begin to reach that harvest and influence them and give hope to people and to homes and to families. I want to close with this. I mentioned it a few minutes ago. I want to tie this to our significant emphasis on the children, the grandchildren, the great-grandchildren, the future generations of this church. Haven't we been praying that Pastor and Sister Allison have been leading that initiative for us, and we've been praying, and I believe and I know that the Lord is hearing those prayers, and he's responding to those prayers, and we are going to see every child of this church saved, every grandchild of this church saved, every great grandchild and great great grandchild of this church but we are expanding that not just to our church but to this community and we're praying and we're praying and we're standing in the gap and and here's what the Lord wants to do Acts 2 37 through 39 now when they heard this this was Peter's sermon that he preached they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles men and brethren what shall we do Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children. Can I I stop, hold that verse there? Can I say, would you say that with me? For the promise. Let's say it. For the promise. Let's try again. For the promise. That's better. Let's do it. For the promise is to you and to your children. Let's say it again. For the promise is to you and to your children. Now, I want us to say it again, but I want us to put me and my in there, okay? Can we do that? For the promise is to me and to my children. 
For the promise is to me and to my children. One more time. For the promise is to me and to my children. Because you say, Pastor Greg, you don't know where my children are right now. They're so far from where they need to be. But I believe this promise is for you and for your children. And I believe we ought to start praying it. I believe we ought to start claiming it. I believe we ought to start standing upon God's word. It says, for the promises to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God would call. If they can keep that scripture on the screen God's setup is greater than the enemy's setup. God has a promise set up. He has orchestrated this from the beginning of time all through the Old Testament, poured it out on the day of Pentecost, and now this promise is to my children and to your children and to all of our future generations. He has orchestrated this. He has set this up. And yes, I know the enemy is running to and fro. I know he's seeking whom he may devour. I know he is, he is wrecking lives and, and putting people in bondage. But the promise of God is greater than the setup and scheme of the enemy. And we need to start praying that and believing that over our children and over our grandchildren and over the children of this church. Would you stand with me? And that's what we're going to do in closing this morning. For the promise is to you. Promises to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. Can we just pray right now? Would you just bow your head with me? And can we just pray right now? And can we pray this scripture over our families? Would you pray that with me, Lord, right now? Lord, we know that the Holy Spirit outpouring is real. We know that the working and the moving of the Holy Spirit to draw men and women, boys and girls, to repentance and to regeneration and then to live and abide in their hearts and lives, and then to be baptized in the Holy Spirit by Christ, and to live a victorious life. All of this, Lord, this, this promise is for our children, and for our grandchildren, and for as many as the Lord will call. And so this morning, Lord, I pray that, that each in this house would call out the names of their children. Call them out, church. Call them out by name. Call out the names of your grandchildren. Pray this promise over them this morning the promise of the Holy Spirit Lord I know without a shadow of a doubt as the shepherd of this church that there are children there are grandchildren that the enemy has seemingly pulled away that is trying to pull them down trying to destroy them but God this morning we pray corporately for them we pray Lord this word. We pray the word of God. We pray and we believe that the promise of the Father is for them. And Lord, we pray that the Holy Spirit would go to where they are this morning. Begin to draw them back to you. Draw them to repentance. Draw them to regeneration. God, I'm reminded of you said when the enemy comes in like a flood, you would lift up a standard against the enemy. And Lord, it seems that in many cases, the enemy has flooded around some of our children and some of our grandchildren. Looks like that he's trying to destroy them. Looks like they're being destroyed. But we pray that the Spirit of God would lift up a standard against that plot, against that setup, against that scheme. We, we just call it out this morning in the name of Jesus. And we pray for the movement of the Holy Spirit in their lives. We pray that the Holy Spirit would draw them back to you. 
God, as this congregation names the names of their children, as they call those names out to you in prayer this morning, as they name the the grandchildren and they call those names out to you this morning, you are faithful, God, to hear those names. You are faithful to your promise. This promise is not a new promise. It's from the book of Joel, and it was re-emphasized by Peter in his sermon. And Lord, we pray the promise over our children, over the future generations of this church and this community. In Jesus' name, continue to pray this morning. Continue to seek God on behalf of the children and the grandchildren of this church and community. This altar is open. If you need prayer, you want to come and pray as they sing. But let's continue to pray and pray this scripture and believe it and stand on it this morning. In Jesus' name.